Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Bevan Walters as she continues our series on parenting. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Hello, and welcome to the third module in this parenting series, the 3D Parent Model, a simple approach for parenting complex kids. Once again, I am Bevan Walters, certified parenting coach and the founder of the 3D Parent. I'm hoping you've had a chance to already work through the first two modules in this series and the workbook pages that go along with them because each of these modules are meant to build upon the last ones and all fit together to help you understand the 3D Parent Model. And all three Ds, parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection, fit together. And you'll see how that builds as we dive into our next D in this module, which is deep connection, parenting with deep connection. What I'm referring to when I talk about deep connection is attachment, informing a secure, deeply rooted connection with your children. This is the most important work that you do as a parent to really take the ownership and the initiative in providing the security of the bond, the relationship, the connection that you have with your children. I also refer to this deep connection as being really the only essential tool that every parent needs to have in their parenting toolbox. And that really relates to how this connection, this deep connection, the secure attachment directly correlates to your ability to discipline and to lead and to guide your children. But I'll be talking about that in the next module, but not until we first understand deep connection will we really understand the power that that gives parents to be able to lead and guide their children. Attachment is one of the greatest human needs. It's up there with food and water. In fact, in terms of the study of attachment theory, the science of relationship, many theorists put it above the need for food and water for human survival, the ability to flourish. So we're talking about something pretty important here when it comes to our children. This is not just like a fluffy, nice extra. This is essential to growth and development. I talked about in the last module, this kind of formula, the essential ingredients or equation that equals your child's ability to reach adulthood with the greatest capacity for emotional maturity and health and well-being, as well as reaching their potential. And the formula was soft heart 
plus secure attachment equals emotional health, maturity, and capacity to reach one's potential. So the soft heart part, we covered last time in the last module when talking about a child's ability to access and feel all of their feelings and um, not avoid feeling or not develop the capacity to feel their feelings. So that's the soft heart part. The other part of the equation is the secure attachment. And that's what we're talking about today, that deep connection. So the second part of this essential formula for your child's growth and health and maturity. There is a lot of research on attachment theory. In fact, this has been around more than a century, may even be coming up on a century and a half. Attachment theory is the science of relationship. One of the findings that has been um, concluded is that every child needs to have at least one secure attachment to a primary caregiver, at least one. More is better, but at least one is essential for a child to be able to become emotionally mature and healthy and reach their potential. Secure attachment directly results in a child's capacity for a strong self-esteem, secure sense of self, capacity for resilience and becoming more adaptive, particularly in areas of stress, independence, better performance in school and work, higher capacity for successful social relationships, and less experience with depression and anxiety. So it's interesting to me, in my experience as a parent, how little I kind of learned about or knew about how important this bond, this connection is with my child beyond the early years, beyond those first couple years of life where we kind of all understand, oh yeah, we're building a bond. Um, but beyond that, it's not something that we really talk about or focus on in this, our, as a society when it comes to our children. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's a lack of understanding of what this attachment thing really is. What is this deep connection? We have an idea about it, but it's kind of hard to pinpoint and really understand. So I'm going to share with you now some language and kind of benchmarks to help you understand what a secure attachment looks like, how it unfolds, and how to understand the normal way in which a secure attachment unfolds. And I'm going to use my favorite developmental psychologist to language, the one I've already talked about in previous modules, Dr. Gordon Newfeld. I'm going to use his model of the six stages of attachment. Now, like I already said, attachment theory has been around for quite a while, over a century. And Dr. Gordon Neufeld used his research and his studies to help understand how uh, this attachment unfolds during the first six years of life or during the first six years once a child comes home in cases of adoption and fostering. So although I'll talk about the six stages as it refers to the first six years of life, know that this also directly applies to the first six years once a child comes home in cases of adoption and fostering. Uh, Dr. Neufeld's words work, the six stages, what that really helps us as parents 
do is take something that is pretty abstract, like attachment, relationship, bonds, connection, and make it more concrete. That helps you with your parenting direction, what we talked about last time. Once you understand what attachment looks like, how it unfolds, it gives you a sense of what to be looking for and anticipating in terms of stages of attachment that maybe are ahead of you if you have a younger child, or perhaps gives you some insight into where you may be having some struggles in your connection with your child. And I'll get to what to do about that a little bit later in this module. But first, I wanted to introduce you to each of the six stages of attachment and help you understand what that stage of attachment is and what it looks like. Remembering that each of these develop one at a time, sequentially, and at about a year at a time. The six stages, I'll just give you the names of them real quick and then we'll go through them one at a time. The six stages are proximity, sameness, belonging and loyalty, significance, love, and being known. Those are the six stages. So now I'll go through them one at a time to help you understand what they are and what they look like. The first stage, again, is proximity, and that is the need to connect through the senses. So what that looks like is wanting to be close, carried. Think about how an infant bonds through the senses, wanting to be cuddled, um, that physical, tactile connection. Also, just wanting to be in the same space as a parent or caregiver. Um, Proximity is all about receiving everything on the sensory level, so that parent's nurturing, so being fed by, comforted by, provided for, taken care of, again, all on that base level, that proximity level. The second stage is connecting through sameness, and this is the need to be like their parents or primary attachment figures. What this looks like is a child's drive to be like, to copy their parents' mannerisms, the sounds, their language. In fact, this is where the roots of language acquisition come from. The ability to speak comes from connecting at the sameness level, connecting and mimicking the sounds that um, our parents and primary caregivers are making lead to a child's development of being able to speak. Children are moved to like the same things their parents like, to copy what they do. So adorable to see a little toddler walking around and you know carrying a little purse like mommy does or putting on aftershave and trying to pretending to shave like daddy does. They're connecting through copying, through sameness. Children also really um, relish in things that are routines and predictable and rituals because that sameness, that predictability really solidifies that security at this sameness level. The third stage, the stage of belonging and loyalty, this is the need to feel a secure sense of being a part of or on the same side as a parent or primary caregiver. During this stage of development, the third year of life, children become really possessive of not only their belongings, difficulty sharing is very common, but also possessive of their parents, their primary caregivers. This is my mommy, this is my daddy. Children also have this instinct to follow, to orient to, to want to please and listen to and follow the directions of those they feel loyal to. 
that they feel a sense of belonging to. Although, of course, they will test this repeatedly, which is part of kind of testing out the security of that sense of belonging and loyalty. When, when um, young children, two to three years of age, are testing limits and boundaries, it's really a question about who do I belong to? Who is going to orient me? Who is going to set limits and show me and model for me how we function in this family, in this household? So parents at this stage of development, it's very important to be setting firm boundaries, but doing so gently. Um, that really continues to solidify that sense of belonging and security that parents are up to the task to take care of and lead their children, again, at that belonging and loyalty level. The fourth stage, the fourth year of life, is significance. And this is the need children have to feel special, the sense that they matter and that they're important to those who are important to them. Children want to be noticed by those most special to them. They need to believe that at least one person absolutely delights in their presence. Um, this is a foundational stage in the development of a child's self-esteem and sense of self-worth. When a child feels completely invited to be in relationship with their primary caregivers, their parents, when they feel like their parent delights in their presence, that they're important, that they matter, it builds this strong sense of worth that a child will carry with them when they go about their life and as they grow and develop. So that all develops at this sense of significant stage. Um, children also at this stage really need to feel an invitation to be in their parents' and caregivers' presence no matter what, meaning even when they're at their worst, even when their behaviors are not cute and sweet and cuddly, when they're having a hard time, when they're having a tantrum, when they're melting down. It's really important for children to feel that they still matter their importance. They're not shunned, sent away, ignored. They're still invited into relationship. They, their problems matter to those who are taking care of them. Stage five is love, and that is the need for a deeper emotional intimacy and connection with one's parents. So a child in the fifth year of life, there's something going on within the brain, which is a huge growth within the limbic system, and that is the emotion center of the brain. So directly related to that is a child's capacity for deeper emotional um, depth in terms of their feeling. This is where true feelings of love emerge within a child. Now, a younger child might be saying, I love you and doing, um, you know, expressing different ways in which we share our love with others through, you know, physical affection, the hugs, the kisses, and again, the language of I love you. But that is happening more on that more surface level of attachment, the sameness. They're just copying and parroting back to us the behaviors that we are uh, modeling. So a younger child might say, I love you in copying our behaviors on that sameness level. A child at this fifth stage, a stage of love, now that they have the capacity within their brain to have access to that deeper, deeper emotional world, true feelings of love emerge. And the Feeling is conveyed through the words, I love you. It's not just the cutesy parroting. It, you could tell that there is that depth to the, the, the words 
um, underlying it. You'll see evidence of this in children's artwork. You'll see hearts appearing in child's artwork. Um, they'll give tokens of affection to their parents, their caregivers, um, often with hearts in them. But again, all of that is evidence of that deeper level of attachment developing that love level, that children are literally giving their hearts to their parents. They're falling in love with their parents on a new, more deeply intimate level. And then the sixth stage, being known. This is the need children have to share all that is within them and be fully seen and understood by their primary attachments. Children at this deepest level of security and secure attachment, they need to feel that their primary attachment is a safe person to go to, to share all that is within them, to tell their secrets to, to admit their wrongdoings to. A child might lie, they might, you know, make a mistake, they might sneak something they're not supposed to, but a child who's at this deeper level of attachment should feel really uncomfortable keeping secrets from their parents. It should feel like an unbearable sense of separation. Separation is the exact opposite of connection. So when a child is deeply known and feels deeply connected, anything that comes between and threatens that connection should be something that feels unbearable. And if a child feels deeply connected at this level, they should feel moved to eventually tell what is going on. Um, again, confess their lies or share their most vulnerable thoughts and feelings with their parents. That is really important. And for them to feel this sense of security that they are fully known by their parents. In fact, parents can actually help children understand themselves, their feelings, their emotions, why they do the things they do. That's very securing to a child, particularly a child who's developing, growing, and getting to the stage of development. The other important um, aspect of this deepest level of secure attachment is the capacity for a child to maintain that sense of connection even when separated from their parent in primary attachments. So that means that when a child and parent are separated for a period of time, maybe when they're away at school, uh, for longer stretches of time, they don't feel as much alarm around that separation. They can maintain that sense of connection through periods of separation. That is the product of being securely, deeply attached at this deepest level. Hey everyone, it's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that in our own everyday world. Um, so I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we wanna say thank you to you. Everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say, I value this place. I want it to exist for me and for other people. And so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are um, that you do that. And for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet, um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so. If you find this place beneficial, if you find these messages helpful for you, then um, consider joining us in that way. You can go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution. Um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the message.
Now, I said back at the beginning of this module that um, attachment, this connection is one of the most, if not the most essential needs that human have, uh, have above even that of food and water. So if you think about it at that level, we would of course never deny our children food and water. We would never starve our children um, by not giving them food and water. Well, we have to think of connection and relationship and attachment in the same way because many children feel somewhat starved for this connection. And you can see it and it's evidenced by their behaviors. And a lot of those behaviors are really unpleasant sometimes when children really wanna make their um, need for that connection known. It sometimes looks like I'm bored. Sometimes it looks like um, not wanting to let the parent out of their sight and clinging to them and constantly needing to be in view, having difficulty playing independently, all that is indication that a child has a need for connection and needs to have that need met. You might also see a child who has a need for connection. It looks like, um, you know, really a lot of meltdowns, a lot of behaviors that we consider to be bad behaviors are really communication of a need for connection with parents and caregivers. Yet oftentimes what we do as parents is we shun that and we push it away or we ignore it or we send it to, we send the child to their room. That's again, just keeping a starved child even more starved. So if you think about a child walking around with this deep need for connection that's similar to the need for food and water, and they're walking around feeling empty and they're constantly coming to us to get their you know, connection cups filled and they're coming to an empty well, or we're not really available emotionally or physically, eventually a child has to turn elsewhere to get those connection needs met. And they're gonna turn in a way that is not best in terms of their growth and development. Some common places that children turn are to screens. They become literally attached to their screens and devices. They turn to social media and looking for that sense of significance out there in the world, um, through digital means. And they also turn to their peers. Now, of course, friendships are wonderful, important for our children, but they should not ever be more important or serving this essential need to be um, have a deep-rooted attachment through peers. It's not possible through peers. Peers do not grow peers up, and nor can that same deepest level of attachment be reached between children. So there can be some reasons why, even despite a parent's intention to develop this strong, secure attachment, it can be difficult to build one. So just highlighting some key things that can make it difficult to create that secure bond. Um, it could be an inconsistent or too many caregivers during the early years. Illness, both physical and mental illness, and these are for both the children and the parents and caregivers. Um, Behavioral disorders, separation, um, physical separation, so too much time apart during those early formative years, uh, high levels of sensitivity in children. High sensi highly sensitive children have a more difficult time forming a secure attachment and it becomes insecure more easily. Um, also discipline practice, parenting discipline practices that can make it difficult or can come in the way of being able to form this deep, secure connection. And then lastly, 
uh, actual lack of time, not enough time to actually be able to spend where it's high quality time developing the secure attachment, deep connection. If this is the case in your family and you're identifying this, it's essential that these things that are getting in the way of the development of the secure attachment are addressed. So that might mean professional interventions for the parent or the child or both. Um, or perhaps it just means a reprioritizing of how you're spending your time with your children. Um, the other thing I want to go into, the next thing I want to go into now has to do with um, this connection and the orientation, getting the orientation right. I talked about in the very first module that the role of the parent is to be the nurturing alpha. So the nurturer who's also in charge. And that also relates to this being in the lead of providing for the attachment, the connection needs for children. It is essential that parents being the lead, providing the relationship, filling those attachment needs of their children, and not that the children should be in the lead, getting their attachment needs met. It's our job to keep our children attached and connected to us. It's not our children's job to stay connected and attached to us. It's not the other way around. So if we have a child who is in constant pursuit of our attention, constantly performing and trying to get their attachment needs met, I have an easy solution that you could put into place right away. And this is a solution that Dr. Newfeld calls trumping the needs. That is to say, getting there first, providing before a child feels that emptiness developing. And I'm gonna highlight three ways that you could trump your child's needs. The first, get there first. So basically before your child feels that sense of lack of connection, before they feel that emptiness, before they feel like they need to come to you to get um, that contact and closeness, you go to them first. So you seek them out before they seek you out. You notice them before they draw, ask for your attention. You get there first. The second way you can trump the needs is if your child gets there first, because sometimes they do, um, you make it your idea. So if your child comes to you and says, um, could you read me a book? Oh, I was just gonna come to you and read you a book. If your child comes to you and wants to give you a hug, oh my gosh, I was just gonna come to you for a hug. You flip it around and make it your idea. It's another way you can trump the needs. And the third way is if your child comes to you first, rather than just meeting the need and responding that need, then you're just barely tapping, um, kind of reaching up to the um, level your child has asked for. You're not overfilling and getting your child to a place of rest in terms of their attachment needs. What you can do is give more than what is asked. So if your child comes to you and wants a hug, I'm gonna give you a hug and I'm never gonna let go. I'm gonna kiss you all over your head. I'm never gonna let go. You're gonna have to pry my arms off of you, giving more than what was asked for. A child comes to you and wants to read a book. Oh my gosh, I would love to read a book with you. In fact, let's read a couple books and snuggle under the comfy um, comforter together. So you give more than what is asked for. Then you're not just meeting the bare need, you're actually overfilling, helping your child get to a place of rest. Um, as I talked about, if you're feeling like your child is constant pursuit of your, your attachment energy, they're coming to you a lot, they're getting their own needs met, 
instead of you providing so that they can come to a place of rest and not thinking about the sense of disconnect, um, it can be really help. or, sorry, or if you're finding that your child is really difficult to lead, you're finding that your child is um, always resistant, doesn't listen when you talk, that is another indication that something's going on on that relationship level. And it can be solved by attending to this deep connection. Another solution I want to, another tool that you can put into place if this is resonating with you or you're recognizing there's work to be done um, on your parent-child connection and a lot of work, it's become more of a glaring issue through listening to this or something you've known all along. A really great strategy is to create what is often referred to as special time. Now, special time is different than just other time you spend together with your children. Special time is very intentional time spent to connect. It's time spent just for the purpose of building and deepening that attachment, that relationship with your children. Special time doesn't need to be long stretches of time. Between 10 to 15 minutes is the kind of beneficial amount um, per child per day. This time can be really helpful if you schedule it so that it is predictable and a child knows it's coming, it's guaranteed. That right there can sometimes reduce a child's um, behaviors where they're trying to try and get their needs met. It should be a distraction-free time. Again, it's one-on-one, -on -one, so one parent per and one child there. Distraction-free, so put away the phones, put away the devices, just focus on play and connection with your child. It also should not be a time that is tied to another agenda item. So lumped in with the tasks that need to be accomplished before going to school or getting ready for bed. This is its own special time that is literally just giving an extra bit of vitamins to your relationship with your child, that extra focused uh, time on that relationship. Um, it's also not necessary that this special time be some big event or planned activity or trip to the craft store to get all these supplies. It doesn't need to be complicated. It's just time connecting, getting that eye contact going, spending time together. It could just be talking about the day. It's fine to invite your child to come up with some ideas or you could both suggest ideas of what to do during this special time. Not advisable is the use of screens during special time, because then when you lose eye contact, there's somebody else in the room, another screen. So not using uh, your special time to you know, view YouTube videos together with your child or something of that nature. That's not gonna really give you the benefit that you're going for by putting in this special time um, technique or tool into practice. You can also go ahead and use a timer if you're going for that 10 to 15 minute mark to go ahead and set that timer so your child understands that, oh, this is our special time and we get this guaranteed 15 minutes and when the timer goes off, that special time is done and we'll save whatever we are doing for the next day and it's guaranteed the next day. If you're gonna utilize this strategy, make sure it's routine and it's predictable. Also make sure that it's not something that is um, leveraged or used as a carrot. You would not take away special time um, because of behavior. Oh, you're going to lose special time. This is guaranteed no matter what. This is not something that's used to motivate or coerce a child or their behavior. This is guaranteed time to connect with your child. In fact, if your child has 
challenging behavior is even more reason to put something like special time into place. Now, I've been calling it special time. And if you have older children, they might think that's really stupid and not cool at all. Um, you still need to be taking the lead and connecting with your older children, your tweens and your teens. But yes, you're right. If you let the cat out of the bag and let them know that this is going to be special time, they may push back or feel like you have some other motive behind this. So yes, don't give it a certain name, but set your own intentions and create your own reminders to check in at least once a day with your children for 10 to 15 minutes. Again, just for the sake of connection. Find ways that you can connect with your older child in a way that is comforting, not going in, talking to them for a few minutes and then reminding them about their messy room they need to clean up or asking them about their grades and their homework. Nope, this is just connecting for connecting sake. Um, older children, very typical of the development, oftentimes spend more time on their own in their rooms. So go to them. Again, it's your job to be in the lead providing this constant focus and nurturing of your relationship with your children. It's not their job to come to you. So go to them if they're not coming to you often and they tend to be more independent and on their own or kind of in that stage of development where they do tend to kind of go off on their own a bit more. So I want to also assure you that where you may find that there is a um, maybe a disconnect that is noticeable. Or when I was going through the stages of attachment and your child is, let's say, eight years old or nine years old or 10, and they should be already at that deepest level of attachment. And you're recognizing, oh my gosh, we're not there. We're kind of stalled out there on level you know, three. You know, I really need to back it up a bit. I just want to assure you that it's never too late to deepen and strengthen or make more secure this attachment, this connection with your child, there's always time to continue to work on it. But it does take work and intention to really take the lead in it. Um, so take some time. Um, there's some workbook pages in your workbook to brainstorm ways that you could be taking the lead in attending to your relationship with your, chi with your child and children that deep attachment at each attachment stage. But I'm gonna give you a little bit of um, some ideas to use as a jumping off point at each attachment level that you can kind of use and there's more within the workbook pages. These are ideas for you to use to kind of work the connection, the attachment at the stage where you feel like you currently are to help solidify and strengthen that stage and help you progress to the next stage and make the next stage more secure. So here is some ideas of things you can do at each attachment level to strengthen your um, relationship with your child. These are actionable items. You remember in the first module, I um, encouraged you to set some parenting intentions. This is how now you can put some action behind the intention to focus on nurturing a strong connection, a deep connection with your children. So first, proximity. So how you can take put action behind nurturing the attachment level of proximity, um, hugs, kisses, cuddles, spending time close to one another, reading books together, providing food for your children, 
before it is requested. All of those are ways that you can address and um, take the lead at providing at the proximity level. At the sameness level, you can model the behaviors you'd like to see if so your child's more likely to copy them. You can make a point to point out similarities, common interests, things that you both like and dislike to connect at that sameness level. You can create rituals and routines, traditional traditions at home um, that are part of the same way we do things that kind of help foster that level of secure attachment at the sameness level. You can also use the power of let's to get some cooperation going. Let's do this together. Let's clean up the toys together. That is, we're both doing this together, connecting with the sameness, sameness level. The third level, that belonging and loyalty, some ideas to work at that level of attachment and take the lead. Come up with ways that you can be on the same side as your child when playing board games or playing cooperative games where you are on the same side, playing against um, some other force. Cooperative games are a great way to um, continue to work at this belonging and loyalty stage. You can also root for the same sports teams or be fans of the same music uh, musicians. Um, providing gentle yet firm discipline is a part of belonging and loyalty in ways in which you can be fostering this and strengthening this stage of attachment. Um, referring to your child as my child, my boy, my girl, my baby, that's all reinforcing that sense of belonging and loyalty. Uh, and also making sure that you're communicating this uh, role of being the nurturing alpha and providing this clear indication of unconditional love and acceptance for your child. You belong to me no matter what. That leads into the stage four significance ideas that you can take the lead in really addressing uh, this level of attachment. When your child enters the, enters the room, stop what you're doing, turn towards them, give them your eye contact and get a twinkle in your eye, light up literally when they enter the room. Make sure your child feels like this sense of you, them mattering to you and making that clear by you just making that simple adjustment, turning to them, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I was just thinking about you, come here. They feel significant and seen. Another thing you can do in terms of significance is notice your child's interests, their passions, things they like. You're telling them that they matter to you. I know you love spaghetti and meatballs, so I made sure to have that on Monday night because I know Mondays can be tough after a long day of school. The child feels significant. You thought of them, and now you're providing on that proximity level plus on the significance level because you're saying, I know you like this, and I provided this for you because you're important. You matter. I want to make sure that... You know, we make sure every, you know, once a week we're doing your favorite food and we'll take turns. Everybody gets their favorite food. That's a great way to be able to foster a sense of significance. The other piece of this is making it clear to your child that they're invited into your, into relationship with you. They're invited, invited into your presence regardless of how they show up. So again, this is when they're having a tough time, when their behavior is not at its best, that they still are significant. They still have an invitation to exist in your presence. Stage five, some ideas of things you can do to strengthen at that level. Um, for love, say, I love you often. That's a clear, obvious one. You can give your, your child tokens of affection. When they're moved to do it, you do it goes both ways. Also, find some ways to create some I love you rituals, particularly when it comes to points of separation, like 
on the way to school, being dropped off at daycare, or also um, times when you're going to be leaving for a trip, and also at bedtime. So these I love you rit rituals might be um, things that look like um, a certain way that you hug or kiss goodnight um, before going to bed. Um, there's this lovely children's book, The Kissing Hand. That is a great invitation for an I love you ritual during a period of separation where there's a little raccoon who's going away from his mom at night school because he's a raccoon, raccoon, nocturnal, and the um, mom would kiss his hand. And then the raccoon knew, knew that he could always put the, raccoon, the hand to his face and feel the love of his mom is with him even when they're not together. That's an I love you ritual that could be easily put into place or something similar. You may already have things and haven't really thought of them in this way before. Keep those going. Those continue to foster that sense of love and connection with your children. And then the sixth level, the one that we're all trying to get to with our children during the first six years of life, or if you're not there yet and your child is older, where you're headed. So some real concrete things that you could do, some action you could do to really foster this sense of connection at this being known level. Reassure your child that you understand what's going on with them. When you're teaching them the language of emotion and helping them understand what's going on for them, they feel seen. They feel like you know them. It's very securing. Also make it safe to receive your child's secrets for them to tell you when they've done something wrong. If they're fearing your punishments or some big reaction, they're like, less likely to be telling you when they've made a mistake. So make it safe for them to tell you when they've made a mistake so they know that you're there to support them and help them make things right. Problem solve how to make things right with them. If they're going to fear a big reaction or a big punishment, they're going to be less likely to be telling you when they've made a mistake and seek your support in righting their wrongs. Um, another thing to do, we talked about in the last module, but repeating again, because it's related to this being known, is coming along your child, your child's emotions, making it safe for them to feel and help them become more reflective. So kind of walking them through those steps towards emotional maturity is part of helping them feel securely rooted at this being known level. Um, sometimes it, children have a little bit of a harder time being able to feel comfortable sharing their innermost thoughts, telling you about things they did wrong. And it feels more comfortable maybe when there's another activity going on. So maybe you're driving in the car and they'll talk about things that might be a little harder to talk about when you are sitting next to each other, maintaining that eye contact. So think about times when you could create that sense of safety um, so that that things can flow, that being known energy. And then another idea is to write back and forth in a journal. Maybe it's too hard to say things um, when we're together, but maybe if your child could tell you something and write it down and give you that journal, and then you could read it and respond and give it back to them. That's another way that you could kind of be nurturing this level of attachment, this being known at that level. So in closing, I want to read you a quote from um, Pam Leo, who wrote Connection Parenting, because it relates to everything that we have covered in this module. Here's her quote. In today's lifestyle, having the time and attention to delight in our children is as difficult as trying to stop this and smell the roses while running a marathon. 
However, if we knew that smelling the pleasant aroma of the roses would spur us on to win the race, we would pace ourselves to include rose smelling time. So if you think about your connection with your children as being this essential ingredient, we would take the time to really focus on it. Take some time now to work through the pages in the workbook that go along with this module and reflect upon the connection as it currently is with your children, and then set some intentions and come up with an action plan, some ideas. I gave you some just now, and there's some more in the workbook pages as a jumping off point to kind of think about how you could be continuing to strengthen your connection with your children at each attachment stage. And as a bonus, Next time, you're going to recognize how this focus on deep attachment and fostering this connection with your child directly relates to making discipline so much easier. You'll be turning on your child's, your child's instincts to follow, listen, take direction, orient to you through your attachment. And I'm gonna show you how to do that and tell you all about it in the next module, Dignity, Parenting with Dignity and Discipline. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.